I'm Eileen Dunn and this is The God Slot. Colm Tobin's Tony-nominated play The Testament of Mary, offering a controversial take on the Virgin Mary reflecting on her life, closed on Sunday after just two weeks in New York as poor ticket sales never matched high expectations. The Catholic League's Bill Donoghue, who blasted the play when it opened, cheered its closing and chalked it up to a lack of reverence for the subject matter. Egypt is open to bikini-wearing, alcohol-drinking visitors, the tourism minister has said, as the Islamist-ruled country sets out to boost numbers by at least one-fifth this year. The minister said the government had optimistic goals for the sector and played down comments from radical Muslim groups who had called for a ban on alcohol and women wearing swimsuits. Here at home, the abortion debate continues and on Saturday, Cardinal Sean Brady urged thousands of people at a prayer vigil to lobby their politicians over the draft abortion bill. As always, in this and other debates concerning issues of morality, allegations of media bias abound. Three protesters using the title The Campaign for Fairness and Balance in the Media have been appearing regularly outside the RTE buildings with signs claiming that RTE is promoting an anti-Catholic agenda. So in the interests of fairness and balance, our reporter Rona Tarrant spoke to them last week and began by asking what their campaign was all about. We believe that for far too long pro-life groups, Catholic Christian groups and so on have been um, too patient you know, with RTE. So far as they put up with um, uh, unbalanced uh, programmes. RTE far too long has been pumping the militant atheist agenda and since the passing of the divorce referendum in Ireland Irish society has gone downhill where you can no longer now leave your key in your front door you can no longer leave your car unattended where drugs has taken over in a lot of our small towns and cities now to have heroin and cocaine Our campaign is a campaign for fairness and balance um, I don't want to, to, to name people, but on the Vincent Brown show, I saw a pro-life person went on That's and TV, or sorry, or, you know, I'm just talking about the media as well. Uh, you know, the interviewer, which was Vincent Brown, and uh, there was two other people against her. People in the media don't have a problem. Even our president, I'm an atheist, which means they give the impression that because they're atheist, they don't believe in anything. Well, that's wrong. They do believe. They believe that the act of homosexuality is, is, is right. They also believe that abortion is OK. They, they, they are opposed to our beliefs. But I often wonder, are they atheists to the Islam, to the beliefs of Islam, or is it just atheists to the beliefs of Catholics in Ireland? Can and, I talk to you a bit about yeah, your yeah, signs? Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, there's... Um, RT favoured the Anti-Life Brigade. Right, OK. Um, why advertise with RTE while they offend so many? What about this one? Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. and uh, that's actually uh, to get people talking. The, the, the spelling is wrong, right? Okay. <laughs> it what does it say? Like, well, well, it said two. It should be T T W O, right? But it's spelled T W O. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Too much um, violence and filth on RTE. They want to give the impression that the faith in this country is dead. It is not. The faith. The people of faith are being oppressed. Our people died for religious freedom in this country. 
We are grassroots, rosary-praying, mass-going, God-fearing Catholics. Well, the Angelus, again, is, uh, is, is good that that's actually kept and, and that. But, uh, and I believe that our campaign here might, uh, in fact, ensure that it continues. We believe that our protest outside has had an effect on what's going on inside. And that report was by Rona Tarrant. Some interesting points made there, which we may take up with our next guest. A full-page article in last week's edition of the Irish Catholic comes across as being somewhat less than enchanted with the performance in office of the Archbishop of Dublin, Dr Dermot Martin, basing a lot of its criticism on an address given by Dr Martin last month at New York's Fordham University. The Godslot contacted the Archbishop's press office to invite His Grace to respond, but the invitation was declined with the comment that Dr Martin stood over his Fordham speech. We're joined now by the author of the article, the editor of the Irish Catholic, Michael Kelly. Michael, I presume you asked His Grace for an interview as well. All requests that I have made uh, as editor of the Irish Catholic, Eileen, and uh, my uh, predecessor requests that he made have all been turned down by the Archbishop. So we've been unable, uh, as the largest selling Catholic newspaper in the country, to have an interview with the Archbishop of Dublin. So what was your problem with this speech that he gave? The the speech is part of a pattern of speeches that the Archbishop has been given over the last 11 years since uh, he came back to Dublin. And the speeches, they follow a familiar pattern, really. He diagnoses a lot of the problems that there are in Irish Catholicism, and I certainly wouldn't disagree about all of those problems. I think he's first class at diagnosing all of those problems. I suppose where my concern arises and uh, why I decided to put pen to paper on it was because, again, after reading the full speech from Fordham, I was left with the sense, well, yes, the Archbishop has done a wonderful job in telling us what all the problems are, but it's almost as if he's an outsider, as if he couldn't do anything about the problems, as if he isn't, you know, the Archbishop of Dublin in charge of the country's largest diocese, a member of the Bishop's Conference, someone with influence in Rome, having worked in the Vatican for 25 years. So it's that sense that uh, he lists out all the problems, but from a distance, as if he couldn't do anything about them. For example, the uh, Archbishop has uh, frequently referred to the idea that uh, mass attendance in Dublin is very low. Uh, Frequently in speeches, he'll talk about surveys that he has done about the mass attendance. But I think we say, well, look, you know, you're in charge. What what is it uh, you can do? He's frequently complained about uh, youth ministry, the lack of uh, the church reaching out to young people. Uh, You know, he's in charge of all of these different agencies in Dublin, which are responsible for reaching out to young people. If they're not doing something, he'd like them to do, perhaps he should tell them or perhaps he should articulate that publicly what exactly it is he would like the church to do to reach out to young people. He's been 11 years in uh, in, in, in Dublin now and uh, he has handled the, the crisis around uh, clerical sexual abuse spectacularly. I think one, one has to give him full credit on that. But yet the crisis of faith in those 11 years, if anything, has uh, has probably gotten worse. Let's come on to something else. In in some senses, one of your own readers online said, what provoked this uh, tirade, if you like, against the Archbishop? He has a go at the pundits and maybe you're taking that a bit personally, are you? Well, I mean, I have thought about that and I put a lot of thought into the article before writing it. It's not the sort of thing that uh, I, I would sit down uh, and, and do lightly. I will say that I've received a massive amount of correspondence, particularly from priests in the Dublin Archdiocese, uh, praising me for, for what I've said. Uh, they, they think that it's an articulation of what they have been saying and uh, thinking for a long time. One of the difficulties with uh, the, the Archbishop of Dublin, I suppose, in understanding him, he's such a complex man because he 
has amazing talents and abilities in, in, in many ways and no one can take that away from him. But there are then, he doesn't seem to complete the package, if you like. He doesn't seem to be able to offer the offer the solutions, offer a way forward. He's been uh, he, he's been fan, a fantastic uh, administrator of the diocese in, in 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 so many ways. But the whole idea of evangelization, the whole idea of bringing Christianity afresh to a, a jaded society, to you know these uh, these old tired Christian countries of Europe, of which Ireland is certainly one. He doesn't seem to have taken the uh, the, the the next step there. So you know he's critical of the pundits as well and. Uh, I, I presume he's getting uh, perhaps at me, perhaps at other people who write in the Irish Catholic. Again, I would say if there's something wrong in what those uh, Catholic pundits, as he calls them, are doing, then perhaps the Archbishop would like to articulate uh, another way to, to do punditry, another way to do commentary on the church. Many of those same pundits that he has been critical of have been the only people in the media trying to articulate a Catholic voice, trying to articulate uh, the church's message uh, in a sometimes hostile environment. Well, let's just hear, in fact, what he had to say about that, because he recently gave an interview Easter weekend to the Marion Finucane show. Uh, we're not as yet good in the dialogue between uh, believers and non-believers and atheists. Uh, we're a little bit tend to still to, to, to criticise and shout at one another rather than saying, you know, are, there, are there any areas here we can all build together towards? Uh, towards? And th- there's no way that the church will do that if it moves in with it, I have all the answers. Mm. Now, isn't that the point, either with pundits or with the clergy when they come on? And I think it's very apparent in the current abortion debate that it's all black or it's all white. And maybe he is urging them to move beyond that. I would absolutely agree with what the Archbishop is saying there. I mean, the Church can't come at everything saying it has all the answers. I mean, the need for dialogue with those who aren't Catholic, those who may be nominally Catholic, that's vitally important. That can only happen, though, if there's proper space, proper room for dialogue within the Church. Cardinal Connell, when he was Archbishop of Dublin, had a plan for a diocesan synod to bring together priests, lay people, religious, all of the people who were concerned about the Church in Dublin to discuss the future of the Church. Archbishop Martin uh, decided against that. He decided against having that forum. So I think if Catholics are to to dialogue with uh, the wider world, with the world outside the church, I think there needs to be a culture of dialogue within the church. There hasn't been that culture of being heard within the church, particularly for lay people. But priests and religious would feel that as well. They would feel the hierarchy have a lot of control over their lives and yet they have very little input to that. So I think the church has got to get its own house in order first because if the church is in uh, disarray and the church is kind of going to the wider world and say, look, you know, we'd like to be in dialogue. People are going to look at an institution in crisis and think, well, you know, maybe come back when you have your own house in order. So what would you like to see him do now? I would like to see the Archbishop uh, articulate a very clear plan for evangelization because, uh, you know, we need a strategy and uh, announcing all the problems and listing all the problems, that's great, it's very important, it's a good first step, but you need a strategy more than sound bites. I would like to see some concrete plans for evangelization. Uh, I mean, look to Milan, for example, where uh, when Cardinal uh, Martini was the Archbishop there, he had this great idea where he would call all the young people to the cathedral land and uh, he would give these these weekly reflections, these weekly uh, catechetic sessions. Started off very small, started off very tentative, but it grew and it became a real dialogue where people who weren't religious, people who had drifted away from the church could come. 
many uh, cities in uh, North America. Philadelphia is one I know about well. They have what they call a theology on tap. And basically that's where the local bishop, he comes to a pub. It's an organised event. People have a few pints of beer and they discuss religious issues. And that's somewhere where the people who don't go to church, don't go to mass, can meet church people in a relaxed environment over a drink. They can ask the questions that they that they have. That's real dialogue. That's real evangelisation. That's real reaching out. I, I worry that the church in Ireland is becoming a private institution that uh, those who are religious do it for themselves on a Sunday morning. But there's no there's no outreach. Uh, I mean, if you look to the documents of Vatican II, the church describes itself as constantly reaching out to the world because the church believes that, uh, you know, all people should come to know Christ. Many people will not want to know, and that's perfectly fine. But the church has a mission of uh, reaching out. I, I, I'd hate for it to become this, uh, th- this private thing where those of us who are Catholics sit around telling each other how great we are, but not kind of reaching out to those around us. Now, you say you've had lots of letters supporting what you wrote and particularly from priests. But is there not a sense, too, that a magazine or a paper like the Irish Catholic shouldn't be having a pop at the Archbishop of Dublin? The Irish Catholic, uh, we're actually celebrating 125 years of publication uh, this year. It's always been an independent uh, publication. We don't indulge in uh, criticism of the hierarchy just for the sake of it. We're very supportive of the Church's mission. We're very supportive of the Church's overall goal. One thing I feel very strongly about as editor, though, I feel if Catholics in the past had have raised their voices more about governance issues in the Church, not criticising the faith, not criticising the teaching of the Church, but criticising the governance... I think if people had stood up in the past, we wouldn't be in the crisis that we're in now because at the root of all the crisis is a crisis of governance, a lack of accountability, a lack of transparency. So I feel strongly that we have a role and a responsibility to call attention to uh, when we view there are issues of governance that uh, could be addressed better. And, you know, this is not personal. This is not about getting at uh, Dermot Martin, but this is about saying, look, you know, there are many Catholics out there, many young Catholics as well, who want a better better vision of the church articulated. They want Uh, a vision for the future articulated and uh, we'd like to add our voices to that. Now, the final line in that speech in Fordham was, it's not a time to be lamenting, it's a time to be rising to the challenge with courage and Christian enthusiasm. Do you think it's too late for him after 10 years? Or do you think very evident in that interview with Marion Finucane was the pep in his step, like there is in a lot of people's step after the election of Pope Francis? Do you think this is time for a new beginning? I think there's always time for a new beginning. That's one of the most beautiful things about Christianity in a way. You know, it's never too late. There's always time for a new beginning. I think very much so. The Archbishop, I think, will have to work hard, particularly reaching out to his priests. Many of the priests feel hurt and uh, let down by the Archbishop. But no, I think there's time for a new beginning always. Michael Kelly, thank you. Derry is the city of culture this year and as part of the celebrations, His Holiness the 14th Dalai Lama visited the city last month to partake in the Children in Crossfires Culture of Compassion event. Rona Tarrant was there and now brings us this report. It was a poignant symbol with a strong message. More than 300 children singing a song of reconciliation on Derry's new Peace Bridge linking the mainly Catholic West with the mainly Protestant East. Through the crowd walked His Holiness the 14th Dalai Lama and on either side were Protestant Bishop Ken Good and Catholic Monsignor Eamon Martin. Beside them walked the man who brought this all together, Richard Moore, the founder of Children in Crossfire. 
I suppose the peace process was not far away in the back of my mind. And there is, we know, unrest and there is difficulties at the moment. Um, and I think the Dalai Lama being here, first of all, sends a message out to the rest of the world that, you know, this city, Northern Ireland, there is a level of normality. Look how far we've come. The Peace Bridge today is an amazing example of, an amazing symbol of how far this, this place has come. And you can't take that for granted. So, you know, Derry is the city of culture, and people often think that, see that as music and art and stuff like that. But also there's a culture in Derry, and throughout Northern Ireland, and maybe throughout the rest of Ireland, uh, you know, where there's you know, a desire to help others. You know, Children in Crossfire and organisations like Children in Crossfire are able to do their work because of the support they receive from the people on the side end. And so there is a real culture of compassion that exists here. And I thought, well, let's, let's celebrate that. Moore grew up here in Derry during the Troubles and at age 10. He became a victim of the violence when he was shot and blinded by a British soldier. For this peace process to work in Northern Ireland, for us to have true reconciliation, then I think it's got to happen within yourself. And I mean, I've managed to do that. I've met the British soldier that shot me. Me and Charles are friends now. Charles is here today. And, you know, that has been an amazing experience for me. And I think the challenge is somebody somewhere has got to draw a line in the sand and say, enough is enough. We've got to have a new beginning, whatever that beginning is. The Dalai Lama was inspired by Moore's story and they became personal friends, this being his second visit to Derry in recent times. How are you doing? <laughs> I started with IT. <laughs> Are you alright? You, you, you oh, no, I consider this day is something very special day. I usually describe him as a, uh, my hero. So now today I met hero's mother and brother's sisters. And I also told mother, since your son become hero, so you also, uh, cons I consider and despite violence and unrest in his native Tibet, the exile leader is hopeful that things will change. China must carry more sensible policy, not isolated sort of neuromantic thinking. So therefore, judging from that, the Tibet issue is very, very hopeful. Now already, my age, uh, nearly now 78, but I believe uh, within, you see, within my lifetime, definitely, I, I will have the opportunity to return to bed. And after the symbolic walk across the Peace Bridge, the Dalai Lama addressed a crowd of more than 2,500 people. This century should be a century of dialogue. Past century, century of violence. Over 200 millions of people killed. The end of this 21st century, I think, uh, whether be happier humanity or miserable humanity, due to your younger generation, work hard. Have to work. Have to live together. So we should. We should not act like animals. His talk was broken up with songs from local choirs. 
and there was a special guest performance by Christy Moore. The man of mist stands very still to watch the children dance away the day. In June, the man inside the man is young and wants to lend a hand and smiles at each newcomer. The event closed off with the Youth Compassion Award presented to medical student Oshin Duddy for his volunteer work. I, well, I'm volunteering, I just help the staff with like a lot of their roles and the other thing that without helping with the roles I also just talk to the patients a lot and just talk to them about their worries. Some just like a chat, others have no one else to chat to and some just have fears and I can help give them peace of mind, just discuss anything, some, not always their problems or nothing medical, just normal stuff, just stuff that you know maybe they don't have someone else to say to. I had a great uh, patient just, and he's just got out of the ward and it was actually it was one of those weird ones because it was sad to see him leave but it was great for him to leave the, the ward after all and he was a great man and it was one of those men he just he could talk legs off a table he just told me so many stories he'd been, been all over the world and what you learn from them people you never forget it if you know what I mean it's, it's learning learn, you learn so much from other people it's, it's, it's great for me as well as it's, hopefully I do good for them as well and afterwards, the feeling was overwhelmingly positive. We need to have more education for um, a warm heart. And that really rang so true to me. Um, it's something that's really neglected in our education and in our society. You know, on TV, every entertainment is about violence. But if we can, you know, go with what the Dalai Lama was saying about, you know, compassion and, and warmth of heart, then I think we'll have a much more productive and happy society. I'm Father Pat O'Hagan, parish priest of Mobile, and I'm absolutely delighted. I'm very emotional about what I heard because it was so moving, so touching. Um, his own gentleness, his obvious spirituality, the peace that he has within himself that comes out in, in what he says and how he says it, brought out for me just how important it is uh, in relation to some of the questions that he answered. Um, they need to act now. There was a question about the UN doing things in 2015, and he said, look, do it now. Whatever has to be done, do it now. So I feel a kind of an imperative to us to go and, and, and just be a good person today and every day and, and just bring peace and love with me wherever I go. Yeah, it was very moving, very moving towards the end. Um, he's an inspiration, definitely, yeah. Yeah, it was very moving, um, on a, I suppose on an individual basis for, um, well particularly for we're two mommies with small children so I suppose he had some inspirational words of advice for us and how that can then, you, and, you know he was very good at demonstrating how that feeds into the wider society and yeah, how, how important to, how it rear, is how to, uh, Some tips on how to rear good adults <laughs> useful adults in the world Energy giving just energy and full of hope and full of love and full of motivation and I think if you just feel the joy in the room and peace go back to what our mothers taught us and teach that to the children we have to learn if we're going to find our place in the future have something to offer to the children of this world How long 
Tarrant on the Dalai Lama's visit to Derry last month. And that's it for this week's programme. On Sunday morning at nine o'clock on RTE1 television, there's a special Eurovision mass celebrating the Alpine festival of La Poya, which takes its name from the dialect phrase used by cattle farmers in the Gruyere region of Switzerland for moving their cows up onto the mountain pastures for summer grazing once the snows have melted. Your comments are always welcome and our email address here is godslot at rte.ie. Our phone number is 01208 and our postal address is the Godslot RTE Radio 1 Dublin 4. We'll be back next Friday at the same time. Idron Dalin, Gugudi Jiyashiv. Because I gotta have faith. Ooh, I gotta have faith. Because I gotta have faith.